0: What's up? Welcome to Freestylers, the greatest podcast in the history of mankind, ran by a 15-year-old kid. My name is Tyler Cook. Today I am joined with Jeff Swampy Marsh, the co-creator of Phineas and Ferb and Milo Murphy's Law. How has your day been progressing?
1: (laughs) So far, so good. I'm doing this. Like I, I was telling you earlier, it was a bit of a tough day yesterday, so I was glad I was able to get up this morning and come and just do something fun. So Thanks.
0: Uh, I'm going to start off pretty simple. What are some of your favorite Phineas and Ferb and Milo Murphy's law songs?
1: Ooh, man. Uh, well, I love the Perry the Platypus theme because we, we wrote it. <laughs> on, it's sitting in a gas station on the way to a meeting. And uh, I said to Dan, I want something that that people that that really is the sound of somebody's voice which is where we got doobie doobie dooba, doobie and i wanted that to be people's voices because i wanted people to be able to sing it and it sound like the song so we wrote doobie doobie dooba. i wrote that sitting in the car and we went back and then wrote the rest of the song so i love that one um but we've written so many great songs there's something just wonderfully stupid about squirrels in my pants <laughs> Yeah, it's just the dumbest thing ever, but a ton of fun. Um, and uh, I think from Milo, Rootin' with the enemy is probably pretty spectacular. And to have Weird Al sing a song that you wrote is that's just cool.
0: Yeah, I really like, um, for Milo Murphy's song, I really like the I'm Taking a Stroll. Yep.
1: Yeah. I really, I really like. That. I I, uh, I wish that that show had gotten a little more publicity from Disney because I think it's uh, some of the best work we've ever done, and uh, I'm glad it's streaming now. so more people get a chance to see it.
0: Um, I heard that Milo Murphy was going to have a little like cameo in Candace Against the Universe. Is that true?
1: You know, we never really talked about it. So if, you know, the truth is there was a lot of people writing and storyboarding on it. So it may have been an idea that was floated at one point, but uh, there's a lot of moving parts in, in a feature length movie. And you really have to pare stuff down to exactly what you need to tell the best story. So there was a lot of things that were planned in there in the very beginning that fell away pretty quickly when you realize we, we need to focus on the main characters and their journey and their story. And you can't just throw everything in there or it starts getting messy and you you lose track of the plot and what the characters are supposed to be doing and what they care about. So you make choices.
0: I know that on a TikTok, he said that Baljeet was based on one of your dear friends and respect for him, right? What was... The inspiration for some of your other characters, such as Phineas and Perry the Potipist, and all that?
1: Well, Phineas, we just wanted somebody who, you know, was, we always described him as a, a you know, a, a little ball of chutzpah. Just somebody who completely believed in himself and, you know, didn't have any real doubts and was just a completely positive person. Uh, and that was, not really based on anybody in particular, but that was just this ideal that we had. Um, The name Ferb came from a friend of mine, uh, the real Ferb, as we always call him, who's a set builder. And Dan and I have been naming characters and things Ferb for years. If you go back and watch King of the Hill, you look in the background, there's Ferb stuff written all over the place. If you watch Rocco's Modern Life, we had Ferb characters in there and talked about Ferb. Um, and it was just an homage to him. He owns more tools than any human being I know. Uh, Like I said, he was a set builder. He used to build the sets for Star Trek and Deep Space Nine and all those for years. And uh, so that's where we get you know, Ferb and his tools. However, the real Ferb is not British and quite the opposite of being silent most of the time. He talks quite a lot. And he's one of the most lovely human beings in the world and one of my best friends. We've had characters inspired by uh, my son. We had a character named Django in the show for a while. And Jenny, that's his sister, my daughter. Um, we based characters on each other, on Martin Olson, one of our writers. Uh, we've had characters based on pretty much everybody.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. What's the easiest character voice for you to go in and out of?
1: Oh, Balthazar Cavendish. (laughs) That's the easiest one because it's the most like my own voice. (laughs) Um, The problem is with with Monogram, it's down here, Agent P, the evil. So I can only do it for about 45 minutes and my throat is shot. We recorded the soundtrack for a video game once and I could only do it over like 10 days. It was awful. Dan can do doofenshmirtz all day long. Doesn't bother him at all. Um, So when we did Milo Murphy's Law, I got the role of Balthazar, which is easy for me to do, and Dan got Dakota, and Dakota's down here. So he's got the same problem that I had with Monogram. He can only do it for about 45 minutes, and then his throat is thrashed.
0: How did you come up with the formula uh, for Phineas and Ferb, and what was the process used for creating new spins Every
1: episode. We, um, I mean, that just sort of came naturally. We just, it started out with the idea that Phineas and Ferb wanted to make the best of every day of their summer vacation. So it was really easy to want to do, you know, one day per show. And the whole Perry thing, we didn't want it to be a cutaway that wasn't involved in the story. We wanted to make sure that they intertwined somehow. And so over the course of writing the first episode, which we did funny enough when Dan was living here and I was living in England, um, we just devised kind of that way of doing it. And we kept that formula for every show. But one of the great things about doing it is we didn't have to come up with all the ideas. We had a writer's room with writers who were generating outlines. And we had an entire team of storyboard artists who were actually writing each one of the shows. So they were coming up with tons of ideas, which was a huge relief for Dan and I, because when we first got the order and they said they wanted us to make, what is it, I think it was 36 of these. Dan and I were like, oh man, that's a lot of stories. How are we gonna do that? But we'd forgotten that we're gonna get a team of writers. and. I think one of the things that makes me happiest is most of the time when people tell me about stuff that they really love in the show or something that's important to them or something that their family shares, most of the time it's not stuff that Dan and I actually came up with. It's stuff that our team was responsible for bringing to the show, like the giant floating baby head or (laughs) or the zebra that calls Candace Kevin, all this stuff. Doofenspurts wanting to take over the tri-state area. That was one of our storyboard artists, Sherm Cohen, who wrote that. And all we had to do was look at the ideas that were presented to us and decide which ones that we wanted to use. And, uh, and that was fun. So I think you your, your question. We had really talented people coming up with more ideas than we could ever use.
0: Um, were there any times when you had to like break
1: the formula? Well, we didn't ever really have to. It was something that you wanted to do. One of the nice things, comedy in general, is setting up an expectation and then deceiving that expectation. You think it's going one way and then it goes another. So one of the joys about doing the show was we set up the formula and then we had fun breaking it. And sometimes you break it a little, sometimes you completely change it and just by deceiving that expectation, um, we got a lot of humor out of it. But we had to have a really strong formula first to be able to get away with doing that.
0: Um, what was your childhood like growing up?
1: <laughs> it was weird, man. <laughs> um, I'm I'm a Southern California native, one of the few. I still live here, uh, and I talked about it before. My um my I've had a lot of different family configurations. My mom has now been married seven times. Um, So I have stepbrothers and half-brothers, and um, we moved a lot. So I've lived in almost every city in Southern California. I briefly lived in El Paso, Texas for a while. I was too young to remember it. Um, So I moved around a lot. But my grandfather was a professional musician, a really successful musician. So I always grew up with music, grew up um, getting to know and hanging out with some pretty famous people. Uh, So part of my life was really privileged and the other part um, was kind of chaotic and sometimes a struggle. But I was lucky uh, that I had a mom uh, even in the midst of all the chaos who would support me in anything I wanted to do. So if I'd have told her that I wanted to grow up to be a superhero, she probably would have sewn me a costume. Um, Well, that was pretty cool to have that kind of, uh, you know, unconditional love. And and in essence, I kind of got to pick my dad, the guy who ended up raising me, who I took my name from, who I consider my father, who's sadly not with us anymore. Uh, happened to be my mom's fourth husband and we just got along great. He was my dad. And when they got divorced, I told my mom, it's like, look, you guys may be getting a divorce, but that's still my dad and I'm keeping him, (laughs) which is great. So he was, he was in our lives until he passed away many years later. Um, so it was a weird life. Um.
0: What is your favorite episode of Phineas and Ferb so far?
1: I have two. Right. I love the first episode because it was the one Dan and I just did together, which was the reason we created the show in the first place is so we can work together because there's nothing better than working with Dan for me. Um, the, the other one that I, I, I love so much is, dude, we're getting the band back together. Because it has all of the, we turned the format there so that all of the characters are working together. We get to see Candace and Phineas working together on something. Even Perry is helping Doofenshmirtz with his daughter's party. So everybody that normally would be on opposite sides is now helping each other and working together to to do something nice. And so I love that one. And the music in it is fantastic.
0: Oh, yeah. Music's definitely a big part of the both shows, really.
1: We got, you know, um, snuck your way right into my heart. Uh, I'm fabulous. I mean, we had a great time doing that.
0: What are some of your favorite moments while working on Phineas and Ferb and Miles Murphy's Law?
1: You know, we we got to have guest voices come in and work with us that we could only have dreamed of. Um, I think one of the funniest things that happened that I still think is really cool is they did a big uh, announcement about the show. I think it was the second season announcement. Um, came at, at the, the big Disney broadcasters show, TV show. Um, they did a presentation in Las Vegas. And Wayne Newton came out and sang the Perry Perry the Platypus theme with a whole stage full of Las Vegas showgirls dressed as Perry the Platypus. And most of you you don't know who Wayne Newton is, but for me as a kid growing up, um, Wayne Newton was called Mr. Las Vegas. I just thought that was the funniest thing in the whole world that our show actually had this Las Vegas icon on a stage with 50 dancing girls all dressed like Harry the Platypus singing the Agent P song that we wrote in a gas station all those years ago. Doobie, doobie, doobie. I just, that just to me was the funniest thing ever.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, what's your favorite thing that either Phineas and Ferb or Du and Schmerz have like invented?
1: Wow, God, you know, I don't know. Um, Yeah, that's a tough one. Because we've done some pretty weird stuff, but I, I, I will say, I think my favorite thing that we've ever done with Doofens- Doofenshmirtz is the chicken replacinator. That re- replaces some object with the nearest chicken, swaps places with it. The, the whole concept of that is bizarre. And then when you start thinking about it and all the different things you can do, which is why we used it in the film, because it's so funny and so weird. It's just great. Um, and I don't know about Phineas and Ferb. Uh, the uh, One of my favorite uh, episodes, I mean, it was one of the, you know, around the world. And that it was just a jet, you know, but they were able to repair it and replace it and fix it and modify it and that to me was kind of the essence of of what i think about mechanics and engineering and building so it would probably be that one for me
0: um while you were working on the simpsons you met dan Pop, am I right yep uh, did you instantly know that you wanted to work with him again in the future on a new show? Or like, how did that all work out?
1: Yeah, um, we clearly had exactly the same sense of humor and the same comedy references. Um, you know, we were brothers from another mother right off out of the, the box. So when I was, uh, when I went over to Nickelodeon and got a job on Rocco, um, writing and directing was my first writing job, uh, writing and storyboarding. My first call was to Dan. It's like, dude, you got to get over here. This is great. They're letting us make cartoons the old-fashioned way, write them as we storyboard them. You got to get here. And he came over and got hired, and originally we weren't paired together. I was working with Steve Hillenberg, the guy who later went on to create SpongeBob, who's just one of the nicest was one of the nicest humans in the world, um, who sadly left us way too early. And Dan was working with uh, Doug Lawrence, and then they mixed the teams up and put Dan and I together, finally. And we wrote, um, our first episode together was uh, Wallaby of the West. And we wrote our first song together on that show, which was uh, The Ballad of Rocco, uh, which we, we got done with the story finished the storyboard, and we were done early. We're like, what are we going to do now? It's like, oh, let's write a song. So we wrote, let it uh, sit back and I'll regale you about my nephew from Australia. Wouldn't know a cow pie if it slapped him on the rear. He can't ride a rope or wrangle or play a good triangle. His best friend on the planet is a steer. <laughs> and we just thought, okay, this is the best thing ever. And it was shortly after that that we created Phineas and Ferb specifically, so that we could sell the show and keep working together. And then after Rocco ended, we didn't work together for, like, 13 years. <laughs> really sad. But finally, it, it all came together. Brilliant plan.
0: Um What was the idea behind, like, the pistachio and monsters and stuff? Is that just, like, Dude, so I,
1: random? I have no idea. You know, you sit in a room with a bunch of writers basically saying dumb stuff. That's <laughs> – that's our job, making cartoons, is to sit in a room and say really dumb stuff, and somebody writes it down, and then we draw pictures and and then present it to you guys. So at some point, somebody just thought that was hysterical. It was probably um, Josh Pruitt, one of our writers, knowing him. He's a big Doctor Who fan. It seems like the kind of thing he'd say, but I could be wrong. We, we didn't spend a lot of time trying to remember who had what idea. It's just more fun to sit in a room with a bunch of people and being silly. Um, it made us laugh, so we kept it.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, why was Baby Cabin Puss deleted? Cause I saw that, I saw a screenshot that someone had of that, the Baby Cabin Puss.
1: Oh, I don't know, was he deleted?
0: It wasn't, they took it out of the episode,
1: I know. I have no idea. Uh, It could, most of the time, stuff like that, it's usually because it was edited for time. Sadly, I mean, people like to think there's a lot of, you know, nefarious back screen machinations about that stuff. And usually it's just for time. You only have so long to tell a story. And you have to be really harsh and cut the things that either aren't moving your plot forward or aren't telling you something about your characters. And so you opt to keep those things that are important and let the other stuff go. Mm-hmm. So for all I know, that's why, but there, there would be no other, no other reason why something like that would be cut.
0: What is your favorite saying from the show?
1: Great. Googly moogly. (laughs) That's just, I I, I'd been been waiting for years to say that. So I I was so glad I got to put it in a show. I got it from uh, a few places. They used it in some ads when I was younger and Frank Zappa was the first one I know who said it. Um, I love that. Um, but, you know, we had 150 some odd half hours. That's, I mean, uh, uh, shows. That's a lot of stories and a lot of things to say. So <laughs> we've said some some weird stuff, man.
0: What was the idea behind Lard World?
1: Um, well, we were trying to do something that was kind of a spoof on Disneyland. And I can't remember what the original name we came up with was. But some we the, the, our legal department told us that somebody had already done a spoof of Disneyland based on the name that we had come up with. We didn't know about it, but they looked it up online and apparently somebody had written this whole thing. So it existed and legally then we couldn't use it. So we had to come up with something else. And usually that's where you get an opportunity to do something even funnier because it isn't so obvious. So it was kind of out of frustration. It's like, God, it was, everything we thought of, we couldn't use. And I think somebody just said, "Well, I don't know. Let's have a, it's a whole amusement park based on lard. We can call it lard. you know." And we say stuff just to make each other laugh, not necessarily because we think it's a, you know, an idea we're going to use, but you're sitting in a writer's room and you're blocked. So you just start saying dumb stuff, but Lard World is the kind of thing you think, wait a minute, we could do that. That would actually be really funny. A bunch of Lard themed rides. And then you start writing all this stuff down and it became Lard World. So I kind of have to thank the legal department on that one for not letting us use whatever our original idea was. So
0: yeah. Um, what does FreePro stand for from the season two or episode thirty, "The Secret of Success"? They had
1: Blair I don't know. Mark. What? what i mean, you, it's terrible. I do not remember. What would you I think mean, that it would be? Like no, have... I've thought about it. The thing is, as before, people started asking. When I first thought about it, I thought it was something that we literally thought of and had no idea what it stood for. And didn't really care. It was kind of more fun to us that it didn't actually mean anything. Um, so I, somebody might have had an idea of what it stood for, but I have no remember uh, memory of what it was. And it was to us, it was just funnier that nobody actually said, and and we left it that we didn't know. I have to ask the writers see if anybody remembers what it actually stood for. I have to see who wrote that episode. They probably did.
0: What was the peak moment of your career, would you say, so far at least?
1: Dang. Every time something happened, you know, I thought where I thought my life couldn't get any cooler, something else happens. Um, You know, I, I got to do Pete the Cat with one of my absolute musical heroes, Elvis Costello, and got to have him sing a song that I wrote. For me, that's about as cool as it could possibly get, and that may not be a career peak, but for me, uh, creatively and artistically, that was just beyond cool.
0: Um. So, what's next for you? A third Phineas movie? A third season of Milo Murphy's Law*? Um. Some involvement of *Hamster and Gretel*? Like, what? What's next?
1: Um. I'm currently developing two series with two different networks um i'm building my own studio we're developing some other stuff internally to pitch um yeah hopefully at some point when they get going i'm gonna i'm gonna go jump over and do a voice or something or write a song with dan on hamster and gretel i think it's freaking hysterical i loved the pilot episode on that i thought it was great um And a bunch of the guys from Milo and Phineas are overwriting on it. So it should be fantastic. Uh, And hopefully we'll be lucky enough to do uh, another Phineas and Ferb movie or who knows. We're just sort of waiting for Disney to figure out what it is they wanna do next. Um, And Dan and I have both said, just let us know and we're in. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. Um, I think that's about all the questions I have for you today. Thank you so much cool. for
1: coming. Oh, thanks for having me on.
0: Is there anything that you want to add real quick before we end this? Or
1: no, I just want to make sure that uh, your sister Emily's okay. She was kind of freaking out earlier because I you know. Just want to make sure she's uh she's still breathing.
0: Uh she'll she'll be fine. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming.
1: Thanks for having me on, Tyler. Peace. Peace.